Hey, strangers. Welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. I'm Krista. This is Kurt with me. Hi. I'm actually looking at him yeah, right now. Yeah, it's weird. I'm used to looking at my kitchen <laughs> wall. I know, this is crazy. Of, you're much better looking than my uh, kitchen Aww, wall. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. We're in the studio, if you haven't figured that out. Yeah. We're excited to be here. It's weird. It feels really weird to be here. I mean, it's been three months, maybe. Krista was kind of nervous to start because we haven't done this in so long. I know, I was. I'm still a little bit like, shoot, I hope I record yeah, this I'm correctly. Still, I'm still hoping this is recording. <laughs> I'm hoping this turns out okay. Yeah. I like the Skype stuff. Yeah. I just got to get my microphone thing figured out with why my volume randomly goes up and down. But it's it sounds a hundred times better than I thought it would. Yeah. So thank you again, Brian Young, for the yeah. microphone. Amazing. And for having a, having us on their podcast. Yeah, that was fun. a lot of people liked. Yeah, that was So fun. that's awesome. That was a good time. And I do think for having earbuds... My sound quality is pretty Yours good too. Is. For just earbuds, yeah. that kind of blows me away. I know. But we're back to back to quote unquote normal. So back we're to the happy studio. to be here, yeah. Spider webs. <laughs> I know there's a crazy spider web to my left that it's like from the ceiling to the floor. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell we not that we do a lot of cleaning in here, but no. you can tell this place has been uninhabited for a while. Yep. So So we wanted to just say a couple words before we get into this episode because it doesn't feel right to just go on like nothing crazy is happening in our country right now um, with the whole tragedy of George Floyd and all the people that so many people that came before him and unfortunately will come after him. Um, we just wanted to express our support to the black community and to our black listeners and our neighbors and our coworkers and I don't know. I just, we've never said it before and I think it's really important to say it right now. So agreed. 100% agreed. Um, and so black lives matter to us. And I wanted to read something that I saw on Instagram that I think there's a lot of confusion around the black lives matter versus all lives matter. And so I found this little, it's a picture of a little black girl at a protest holding up a sign. It's actually really cute. She's adorable. Oh, that is cute. And it says, we said black lives matter. We never said only black lives matter. We know all lives matter. And it says, we just need your help with black lives matter because black lives are in danger. And that is like the, the whole root of the movement. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a totally separate issue from like all lives matter. Like we get that. And I think that there's just like this misunderstanding of what that means. And so I just wanted to clear it up because I thought that was a really, succinct way of putting it very much so. very much agreed yeah i feel like the you can't say black lives matter without getting half the population angry you can't say all lives matter without getting the other half angry i think it just and shows the, how divided we well, are that's the thing is that everything right now is party lines everything is drawn down a party line mm-hmm. you know the the protests about staying at home with the quarantine was yeah. party line yeah the, the you know this stuff is party line and you know this is gonna piss some listeners off but it doesn't help that we have a president right now that feeds the fire rather than tries to fix anything and uh i hate saying this but i feel like uh i don't know how i want to put this i feel like right now we're almost in a cold civil war Mm. and i feel like this is a pressure cooker slowly building and i think something bad is going to happen in the future if things continue down this route oh i agree i really do yeah i totally agree so i don't know what's going to happen but you know, and a lot of it too 
doesn't help with the pressure of this year because it's been yeah, one thing. Yeah, we're already it's been all one stressed thing. out. We are all ready to snap because it's yeah. been one thing after another. It has been. So That's I just true. don't know. I don't know. This is just unreal. Yeah. And I feel like if you and I truly are empaths, which I think we are, oh, I man, think this hits tough. us hard. Someone you on know, the Facebook page, I don't remember who it was, because I put out a, a question to the strangers, like, do you think it's the right thing to do or to release an episode with yeah. all this going on? And everybody overwhelmingly was like, yes, I need the distraction. I, when you asked me, I was like yeah. 100% yes. I just didn't want to be insensitive because some people don't have the luxury of I a distraction right now. I feel now. like it could have been insensitive depending on what topic we talked about. Yeah. But this is such a crazy topic that it's this, in no relation yeah to it's in no relation on. to anything that's going on right now yeah you know but it's just i don't know I, one of my friends said maybe that's why i don't feel good at all now yeah it's, it's not covid they, that maybe i'm just overwhelmed with stuff i think for me it started with covid um just like that underlying anxiety and this just took it up like the 10 COVID notches. The stuff didn't bother me as much as this stuff going on. It bothered me. What bothers me the most are the way people are divided. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm just as guilty for saying that the president f- fuels the fire and doesn't do anything to, to fix it. So I am politically divided, too. You know, I'm obviously on one side. So I just don't know. But, but the thing is, I don't know. I wish I could see what other presidents would have done during yeah. this because I don't know what they can do. You know, we are the ones who have to change it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And voting matters. Yeah. And I, th- this reminds me that I'm going to email you a bunch of links where people who want to take action in whatever way they can, maybe you can't get out and protest. Maybe you don't have the funds to donate to one of these Black Lives Matter organizations or any of the organizations that support um, people of color. But maybe it's just being more educated about yeah. it and starting conversations. And there's so many resources to help you do that. So I want to send you some links that you could post on okay. the website. Okay. So we'll do that. And we, we fully understand that we might lose some listeners over our support of this movement. And you know what I say to that? Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not, not, we're making money <laughs> yeah we don't, we're not making a penny off no, of this so it's really about the family yes. that we've created and i hope that we've always made people feel welcome and accepted no matter where they came from yep. so i don't know i'm just putting that out there. it's hard and i think you know i don't want to spend a lot of time on this no. but i have a friend that is was very racist very very racist they worked in a factory yeah and then they ended up getting a black coworker yeah. and completely came around. That's the thing. And that's the thing People is that can this change. can be unlearned. It can yes. be unlearned. It's I agree. Just, you know, I don't Hate know. is taught. I don't know. It can be untaught. Yep. I, I fully, truly believe that because I believe that people can change. Agreed. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so on, on a little bit of a happier note, I gave a shout out to Brian last week, Brian Martinez. I'm giving him another shout out this week. Um, so I don't know. He probably feels pretty lucky, Special. I guess. <laughs> yeah. But he, he just started a podcast and the podcast is called Deviant or Film Deviant Podcast. And it's going to be about horror movies. He's a huge horror movie fan. He's also a Beastie Boys fan. What up? He's the one I gave the little Beastie Boys shout out to last week. But he um, announced on Instagram that he's starting this little thing. 
And he was like, pay no attention. It's super awkward and I swear a lot. <laughs> He's like, it's not good. Um, but he did mention, then we started chatting, you know, in direct message. And he was just saying how we kind of gave him the in, the inspiration to mm-hmm. just go for it. Yep. And I love that. Yeah. That's so, so cool. cool. I mean, he's not the first person to start a podcast after listening to us. And I just love that. Because they figure if these schlubs can do it, anybody can probably do it. <laughs> right. And so a slight tie into what we started with today. He is from Venezuela. He's a person of color. And the second episode that he released is about some of his experiences with racism. So I just think it's a really great listen right now. It's so um, relevant. But he he's it's not awkward at all. Like his sound quality is really good. And like he I was laughing out loud at some parts or I was really engrossed in the story he was telling. He speaks from the heart. Like he's a really cool, mellow guy. And um, I think he has a really good perspective. It is explicit. He swears. And he does mention he's a big fan of Sarah Silverman. And he plays a clip at the end where she's talking about some pretty sexually explicit things. So if you have little strangelings, I would not have them listen to this. Um, but I think it's going to be a good podcast. I'm, I'm looking check forward it out. to I it. Check it out. Yeah, it's really good. It's available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So, yeah. and I still want to check out more of uh, Brian and Lauren's. Yes, definitely. Uh, Transatlantic history ramblings I, with Lauren and Brian. I'm hoping to return to work in two weeks if I get the the go flag for that, and I'll be listening to podcasts yeah. again. So I'm really excited I, about that. Starting next week, I told Miranda yesterday I need to get out for a long walk at least three times a week because I am doing. Me too. I'm putting on weight like crazy because I'm just eating and doing nothing so i need you know and my acid reflux has been so bad i'm, I'm not sleeping good and oh, i think a lot sucks. of that's tied in with my food i'm eating so 100 oh, i gotta shape up starting next week i really do i've actually been eating vegetarian and vegan a lot of the time bridget and i have been talking about this she's kind of doing the uh-huh. same thing and uh, i've actually lost a little weight which is great but yeah I, i've been doing yard work but not like really making a point to exercise and I need to do that. It's just been so dang hot. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 95 is, the other day. I'm like, exercise is carrying my <sighs> Burger King bag up from my car to my apartment, basically. That's great. But we want to give shout outs. We know we've been putting the shout outs off while yeah. we were doing the Skype episodes. So we want to give some shout outs. So is this to our new strangers our on new the Facebook strangers. page? Okay. Um, I'm going to do the first half of the list. It's not as long as I really expected, but I'm going to do the first half of the list and then Krista will do the second half. So shout outs to our newest strangers, Katarina Svensson, Kelly Nelson Crowley, River Gross, Abby Henderson, Manila Miata, that's a cool name, Catherine Dietz, Stephanie Martinez Suell, CB, Joe Carraro, Sri Bezor, Lady Clara the Bard, Carlos Sorosa. So now right. Krista's starting. You know, I saw that that Joe, it's Correo. Oh. Had joined, and I actually know a family with that last name. They're Sicilian, very Italian. Really? But I looked him up. I was like, what? Is he listening to our podcast? It's a totally different Joe Correo. Oh. Oh. <laughs> he actually goes by Joey, so I oh. should have gotten that. Um, okay, so the first one I have is Jenny Trepanier Sore Whitey. I nailed that name because uh, that's my maiden yep. name is Sore Whitey. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she's actually listening, but she is a family member of mine. She's married to a cousin of mine. So, hey, Jenny, if you are listening. Hi, Jenny. Um, Timber Joe, which is who yep. sent us, yes. which, okay. Kate sent us the little Bigfoot, Bigfoot fig- figurines yep. or yep. whatever. Okay. Fridge. Alyssa Waring's Jared Trepp, Joshua Lawrence, not to be confused with Joey Lawrence, Amanda McAfee, Peggy. Whoa. Oh boy. Whoa. Peggy 
Oh, this is the hard one. <laughs> yeah, this is the hard one. Peggy Scheifelbein Greiser. Good. That sounds like another good German name. Karen Koala, J.W. Mooney, Jordan Rooney. Those rhyme. <laughs> Jonathan Cleed. Carolyn Elizabeth Emery, Celia Rose. I love the name Celia. Michelle Gardner and Laura Lauren Mosley. Wow. Yeah. That's so a lot. Thank you guys so much for Jeez. joining the strangers. We also haven't done it in months. <laughs> right. Well, you usually are the one who yeah. goes through those names. Yep. And so do we really have any housekeeping? I, I think we got to move forgetting this along to mention, it's going to be running kind of Well, long. and I wanted to say this at the very beginning. If you want to skip over this, we're 100% cool with that. Yeah. The titillating 20. I forgot to say it at the beginning, but just check your show notes. Hit pause right now. Yes. Look at the show notes. Kurt's going to give you a timestamp of when the actual episode starts. Because people complain about people it. People don't want to hear us eat. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Which I understand. I get totally that. Totally understand. Some people love it. Even longtime listeners don't like to listen to that part. We're cool with it. I should have said that at the beginning because yeah. now you had to listen to all of this. Yes. Just to <laughs> We're get 12 to minutes we'll in. We'll do it next episode. We'll yeah. say it at the beginning next episode. Sure. Next we'll episode. remember. Uh-huh. But should we jump into the taste test? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. This, you're not, you're only going to want a little of it. Oh. We're Gonna is it like this. alcohol or something? Yes, it is. Oh, sweet. Is, oh, <laughs> nothing like day drinking. I've talked about this on the podcast. I love a beer super early in the morning. Really? Like when Aaron and I would go geocaching and I'd be his place at quarter to five in the morning. I love a beer really? at like five in the morning. That's yep. just Cheryl Crow said. I like a good beer buzz yeah, early, in, early the in the morning. So you oh, need that. This? Yes. Okay. Even though uh, I ripped it trying to open yeah, the package. It's still readable. Kurt and Krista, I hope you enjoy trying this pickle beer. Ah, dang. From Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm seriously excited. My twin sister and I love your show and are huge fans. I hope to send more Texas goodies soon. Don't worry. I'll try and make sure they are yummy. <laughs> Thanks Thank for all you do. <laughs> Danielle Jacobs, a Dallas fan. So nice. awesome. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Wow. All the way from Texas. And it is. Yeah, we can read that. Read the thing. I'm excited. I am seriously excited. Ooh, that was my microphone doing a squeak. I'm. T- oh, that's super cute, actually. It I'm is really take cute. take a picture. She sent us two cans. So do you want to take a can home? Sure. Depending on if you want, if you like it. Make Jim try yeah, it. Yeah, make Jim try it. <laughs> he likes a, a good beer buzz early, early in the morning. morning. Yeah. So crack it open, oh, pour okay. what you want. Yeah. I'm hoping it's still good. It should be. Oh, God. If is not, going to like explode in my face? <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Woo. All right. Sniff. No, it. Oh wow. Oh, yep. This would be really good as a chaser for a yes. Bloody Mary. Yes, actually, it would be. I mean, I'm assuming I haven't tasted it. Okay. I'm, I'm a lightweight, gone, so I probably will get drunk. I'm assuming from it like hasn't this. gone bad, but then I wonder how are we going to know if it did. If it stayed cold. It I wasn't think, cold. It was on my we'll find floor out. until last night. I put it in the fridge. We'll see. We'll, it still has fizz to it. Oh, that does smell pickly. It's very pickly. It's very dilly. <laughs> very dilly. <laughs> dilly beer. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. It's actually good. It's it not doesn't bad, taste actually. No, it's it doesn't very, taste yeah. It's it doesn't very taste pickly. as much like beer as I thought it would. No, it tastes like pickle juice. It tastes like you're drinking carbonated pickle, pickle juice, juice, which I wouldn't think I would like. I don't think I would drink this by itself, but this would be amazing I in a Bloody Mary. It, like in summer, if I was hot, I feel like this would be a really good beer. I know beer over ice is not a thing, but I would maybe drink this I over really ice. I like this. I like this With way more. With some olives in here? Yes. I oh, like this way more than I thought I would. I'm going to get drunk now. <laughs> so <if I> <laughs> this would be a good episode. If I get pulled over by a cop on the way home, they'd oh, be like, shit. what are you drinking? And I'll be like, oh, oh I'm just eating swore. pickles. I'm eating yeah. lots of pickles. Lots of pickles. Hmm. I like that. 
I oddly like it too. I, I did not. I, I was sure that you were not going to like this. I oddly really. I'm not really kidding. Like I will this. probably get a buzz from that. So I'm going <laughs> to set it down now. Whew. I'm okay getting a buzz, but I have to be home. Okay. Sitting around a bonfire. We I feel like we're forgetting something. I feel I like can't. we are too, but we'll remember it on the drive home. <laughs> well, and that's what counts. Yep. <laughs> Remembering so it on the drive So we have two more packages that I'm not exactly sure what's in them. We should open them Brittany, just in Brittany, case they're... Brittany wanted us to open this one. Brittany okay. Baloo. Brittany Baloo. I'll let you open it because she was, she was excited. Save these for the addresses. Yes. Okay. I got to take pictures of them all. Oh, boy. Crystal I... opening a package. You haven't heard this in a while, guys. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I keep swearing. I'm sorry. That's the beer talking. <laughs> right. I'll be taking my shirt off soon. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Ooh, I had right. a million comments for that, and I didn't even know which one I was going to pick, so I didn't pick any of them. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Aw. It says, thank you for that supporting small business. Oh, we got more Bigfoot stuff? Yes, Aww. look at Oh, speaking of. We missed you too, big buddy. We haven't had All that right. in a while. Oh, it has my name yes, on it. Those are super nice. Oh my! And it has the strange sessions. Oh my god! Wait, wow. Take pictures. Brittany, thank you. Seriously, come on. It's a Bigfoot with the strange sessions on one side and my name on the other. This is. And it's all sparkly and cute. Okay. Yes. Oh my god. I'm freaking out. Mine has glitter. Mine does too. <laughs> no, it doesn't. A does little it? bit. Oh, a little bit. Thank okay. you so much, Brittany. Mine's more girly than yours. That is awesome. My Bigfoot is more girly than, than yours. yours. This is amazing. I'm literally putting this on my keys. Like, well, probably not right now because you know that's going to be a struggle. <laughs> have to edit that out. I barely got the package open. These are so cool. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. The fact that somebody would go out of their way to have this made for us That's is actually crazy. super touching. Thank you so much, Brittany. Wow. These are awesome. It's like our first merch that we didn't even have anything to do with. Oh, that would be so cool. To do that. If people could order this with their name on it. Yes. Oh, that'd be amazing. Dang. And okay, so the it came with a little business cards. She's crafty is the name of the company. Shannon Tomasson. It's a Beastie Boys song. <laughs> it's a Beastie Boys <laughs> song. Wow, I didn't even pick up on that. Shannon Tomasson is the name of the the woman, and then it has her email address. I'll take pictures of this. Yes, too. this is so awesome because that is just amazing. Wow. Thank you might so be much. One of my not to play favorites, but this might be one of my favorite gifts we've ever gotten. Just saying. No, this is seriously awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm blown away by this. Yes. Um, I'm just going to sit and stare at it. I'm not oh. going to listen to anything Kurt has to say. And we also have something my cousin Shana sent us, and I have no idea if it's food. Ooh, look at the rainbow tape. I know. I don't know That's if it's so cool. food. I don't know what it is. I'm shaking it next to my head like it's a Christmas present. I'm going to rip it open. Rip it open. I like this beer. It is good. Nothing like a pickle beer at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right? Almost eight. Did you stop at McDonald's on the way Yes, here? I did. Naughty boy. I had oatmeal. I was a good girl. I had a sausage, egg, McGriddle, a hash brown, coffee, and a chicken McGriddle. Is the, Mc... oh, <laughs> is the McGriddle the one that's on pancakes? Yes, like okay. little, little baby pancakes. Little baby pancakes. I mean, it sounds amazing. I used to love their bagel sandwiches, but oh, I, I haven't I had I still one love of those. their bagel sandwiches. <laughs> I don't even know what this <laughs> is, is but I love it. Oh my god! 
It says Jack Link's love is in the hair. It's beef jerky, but the package that <laughs> it came awesome. in is the most insane thing I've ever not, seen. I've never seen that. Oh my god. That is this so is like awesome. Christmas. Thank you so much, Shayna. There's a card that's got like oh. little hearts all over it. So this is your cousin? Yes. That's so cool. This is that is cool. That'll be good for when we want We got two too. big thing gifts. Yes. Big foot, foot themed, themed gifts. gifts. Wow. Oh, oh my God. There's like stuff. <gasps> Look at all these like stickers falling out of here. Come on. You people will spoil us rotten and I love it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> it says, what does awesome sound like? And it's like a squirrel with headphones on. Whatever it is, bet it's your theme song. <laughs> Crank up the awesome happy Valentine's day. And she put, it is like it's your theme song. So, oh. hey, that's kind of a shout out to Jamie, right? Yes, it is. Thank you so much, Shayna. Yeah, that is awesome. Happy Valentine's Day. Wow. So she sent this back in like February. This. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that my cousins listen to this. Thank oh, you so yeah. much, Shayna. So we've got an alien on a skateboard. <laughs> we've got an alien looking maybe through a window waving yep. to us. We've got a Bigfoot says, sticker believe. that says, I believe, and then an alien cool, head. Like, I don't know what to do with all these. I don't want to stick them on stuff because I feel like then you ruin them for yeah. some reason. We'll have to figure out a way we to gotta, display yeah, this. We got to get our new thing up too. This is amazing our... though. Do yes. we have to eat some of it? <laughs> Not right now. Okay, we'll save, save that. that. We save that for when we want to snack. I'm taking a picture of yes. this with all of the stuff in front of it. My goodness. I feel so special right now and spoiled. Yes, thank you so much, you guys. Hopefully I can get a good picture of this. <laughs> this box just kills me. <laughs> Okay. Well, this is a great welcome back to yes, the studio. Yes, it was. Thank you, guys. And we got more at home. I think I still have three boxes of stuff okay. at home. I feel very cluttered now. I have to clean up my, my, my and space. And I just happened to grab three of them at random to bring them today. We got three more boxes at wow, home. So I think amazing. one of them is big. I think that's the one that's food. Okay. So ready to jump into the episode? I'm ready. Thank you so much for our awesome stuff, guys. Yeah, wow. let me... It I'm, looks like Christmas at this table. There's it all does. Boxes and gifts. We'll figure out how to what to do with all this. Sorry. That's okay. I, I feel very crowded. <laughs> I need to move some stuff. Oh, okay. Do you want some more beer? Yeah, maybe. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Oh, yeah, cheers. And then a cheers. I was trying to I cheers. I was trying to cheers, Kurt, and he just went to pour, pour. more stuff in my cup. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm like a frat boy. Yeah, some more beer. Did you uh, roofie my drink? <laughs> that's what the blankets are for that I brought oh. here. <laughs> to keep me warm. To keep you warm. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> Ready? I'm ready. Um, I feel like we're forgetting something too, but we'll get to it next later. We're gonna do our song um, recommendation and a question, and a, question and a pickle joke. Yes, we'll have time. Um, so today's topic. This was one that I started doing that I stopped because I realized I had to tie something else with it, and I felt it might be a little longer. Okay. But looking at it now, it might not be as long as I thought. I feel like you say that every episode. I know, but I. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy we're going to go back to the two-week podcast because one week cramming is hard because I get distracted by video games and mm -hmm. whatnot. I just started Dragon's Age Inquisition, and I'm hooked on that. So two weeks is perfect for me. I could do a little research and play my game. So, <laughs> Well, I don't do any work, so <laughs> I totally get it. You do for the My Favorite Mini Mysteries. Yeah, which yeah. is going to be our next episode. I believe our next okay. episode will be a My Favorite Mini Mystery. So I got to start working now. My nose is running. It's running? My but allergies have been so bad. Me too, for so sure. So bad. So today's uh, topic is the Montauk Project. 
and tied with that is the Philadelphia experiment because they kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that because when I was a kid, I had a book about the Philadelphia experiment and I can't remember who wrote it off the top of my head, but it's pretty much been, I think even one of the authors has, has distanced himself from the book because it's not really accurate. Okay. But we'll jump right into that. The Montauk slash Camp Hero slash Philadelphia experiment story is pretty crazy. It's one of those topics that for years was really something that only pretty hardcore conspiracy theorists knew about. But within recent years, it's become a little more well-known because it was the basis for something. Any idea what it was the basis for? Like a movie or something? Something like a movie. <laughs> Think about it. Uh Children getting experimented on. So the X Files. No psychic oh. stuff. Children getting experimented on. Fringe. No. Uh, <laughs> science. Um, scientific base. Children getting experimented on. Psychic powers. Nosebleed. I'm not. I'm not picking up what you're laying down. Stranger Things. Oh. Oh. Wow. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh yes. Now I see what you're saying. It was the basis wow. for the it's hit the Netflix beard. show Stranger Things. Okay. Stranger Things was originally titled Montauk, but filmmaker Charles Kessler filed a lawsuit against the creators of the show, claiming that they stole the concept of the show from his 2012 short film titled Montauk. Oh, interesting. So the name and setting of the series were changed shortly before its premiere. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I started researching this. That it was this the show was based on what supposedly all happened at Montauk. Huh. Uh, calling this entire theory slash story Montauk or the Montauk Project is actually kind of misleading because Montauk is the name of a village at the east end of the Long Island Peninsula, and the events discussed in the Montauk Project stories mostly center on a military base named Camp Hero that was in Montauk. Okay. But the name Montauk has for some reason stuck and is permanently tied with the bizarre stories that emerged. Hmm. So instead of starting at the very beginning with this one, we're going to start in the 1980s. Kurt's getting comfy. I had a scooch up in my chair. In the early 1980s, a U.S. military base sat at Montauk Point on the eastern tip of Long Island, New York, and it had been there for decades. It was a very active base that contained Army, Navy, and Coast Guard personnel. The grounds were actually decorated to look like a New England fishing town to avoid enemy suspicions, even going so far as painting windows on the bunkers. It was officially known as the U.S. military. You mean painting windows so that people couldn't see in? No, like painting windows so it looked like it was a home or something. Oh. So somebody from the air would see that and think it's a okay. home because it had windows on okay, it. Okay, gotcha. So they painted windows on it. <laughs> That's funny. It is funny, but it works, I guess. <laughs> okay. You know. Uh, it was officially known as the U.S. military reservation, but the locals called it Camp Hero due to it being built on the site of an old fort known as Fort Hero. There were always murmurs of strange things going on. Burp a little bit. You burped? No. Breaking news. It was, Kurt like baby, it was like a baby burp, not a, not a full grown burp. Okay. There were always murmurs of strange things going on at the base with locals hearing and seeing weird things. But for the most part, Camp Hero seemed to just be a military base. The base shut down in 1981, its trademark huge radio antenna becoming just a part of the horizon for locals. And the, it's very recognizable, the picture of the, the radio antenna. Okay. Uh, I, I got different dates on when it officially shut down, but then there's some people that say it never shut down. Sure. So we'll get into that. Then in 1992, a man named Preston Nichols published a book titled, quote, The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. 
Preston Nichols was born in 1946 on Long Island, New York, and claimed to have degrees in parapsychology, psychology, and electrical engineering. He said that around the time that Camp Hero was closing, he began to have weird memories of the base pop up in his mind, and then realized that he had repressed memories of working there or his memories had been erased. He then goes on to talk about some pretty insane stuff that supposedly happened at the base. But now, let's go back to the beginning of the base, according to the conspiracy theories. The seeds for the Montauk Project began with what's known as the Philadelphia Experiment, or Project Rainbow. A lot of this is pretty murky. Uh, a lot of stuff is unsubstantiated. The stories seem to constantly change, no matter you know what source you're getting them from. But this is these are the basics. And with this episode, we're not going to do a deep dive on this, but there is so much online about these Montauk experiments, mm-hmm. about the Philadelphia experiment, that if, if this trips your trigger go online you can go down that there's rabbit multiple, hole. multiple rabbit holes mm-hmm. a whole warren of rabbit holes uh, in 1943 the military was working on ways to gain an advantage in the war one of the things they were working on was an early attempt at cloaking a warship or at least making it invisible to radar the experiment was supposedly based on albert einstein's idea of a unified field theory that would mathematically and physically tie the forces of electromagnetism and gravity together I, I love reading stuff about the unified field theory. Like, I'm kind of geeky about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could wrap my hand around it, so I don't it's, even bother. It's, it's, I can't <laughs> even completely wrap my head around it, but it's pretty interesting. Researchers believed that a huge electrical generator could create enough electromagnetic energy to actually bend light around an object, turning the object completely invisible. The Navy thought that this would give them a huge advantage, so they okayed the experiment. A Navy destroyer escort named the USS Eldridge was chosen for the experiment. Some accounts have the experiments happening over a few different days, while others have it all happening on one day. We're going to go with the idea that it happened on one day. The ship was docked at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard, and several huge devices, including electromagnetic generators, were attached to the ship. The date, October 28, 1943, comes up a lot as the day the experiment took place. A small skeleton crew was on the ship for the test. When the power was turned on, all hell broke loose on the ship. Some people say that the ship completely vanished. Some people say that the ship was invisible, but the water still showed the outline of the ship's hull, like the ship was there, but it couldn't be seen. That'd be so weird. And some people say that the area the ship had been in was filled with a weird green fog. When the ship rematerialized, some of the crew members had become fused with the metal walls of the ship. What? Others appeared to have turned inside out, and (gasps) others seemed to be frozen in time and on fire. Some of the crew had completely vanished, and many of the crew members who were still there had gone insane. There's so many horrifying things happening in this (laughs) sentence. There are. Turned inside out. I remember, I think that happened on Star Trek once where the gen- where they teleported or transported and somebody it went into the sideways. wall. Like into the wall. Wow. And that's like, oh. <laughs> for some reason, that that's... creeps me out more yeah. than anything. But uh, oh. we might actually do a deeper dive on the Philadelphia experiment one day because the book has a letter from somebody that supposedly, his name was Carlos Alande, that supposedly saw what happened from another ship. And it gives like a description of what these sailors, you know, like if somebody is frozen, like as many people as possible have to go put their hands on him in order to like unfreeze him. So that supposedly is what happened. People turn inside out, people gone insane. So I think I'd go insane seeing someone turned inside out. (laughs) I think I would too. I think I would too. It's odd that 
there are so many different descriptions of what the ship looked like in the water. Yeah. It wasn't there yeah. or like, it was a yeah. green fog yeah. or exactly. how can everybody see exactly. so many different that's things? That's one of the things that kind of leads to this not really being true. Right. But we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> what? It's also said <laughs> that when the devices were turned on and the ship appeared to vanish, it was instantly teleported to Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia, <laughs> Norfolk, Virginia, over 200 miles away. Where some of the crew members aboard the ship, the SS Andrew Furseth, saw the Eldridge appear and then disappear as it returned to its original location. Wouldn't it make sense to you that if you were going to try this out for the first time, you wouldn't have people inside? You would, but that's military <laughs> for you, I guess. Oh <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, at some point, you're going to want to see what it does to the people on the boat. You know? I guess. Uh, electromagnetism is weird. Yeah, and, like, it can it really mess with people. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it supposedly vanished from where it was, teleported 200 miles away where where people on another ship saw it, and then it disappeared again. Well, that was an unexpected yeah. effect. So that's that's that. Uh, there's more we could discuss about the Philadelphia experiment, but I think we could possibly do a whole episode about it. So just for now, according to legend, the Eldridge disappeared from where it was, teleported 200 miles away, and returned pretty much a dumpster fire with all sorts of inside-out <laughs> people and shenanigans going oh my on. God. that has the makings of a horrible movie (laughs) it does so now jumping forward in time again a movie about the philadelphia experiment was released in 1988 in the movie the ship doesn't just teleport to a different location but it also moves forwards in time 57 year old al belick sees the movie and something about it really resonates with him to the point that it becomes an obsession after going through hypnosis just like preston nichols Belick realizes that he worked at the Montauk base and had his memory of it wiped. Hmm. Through further sessions, he learned that his name wasn't Al Belick. He had been born Edward Cameron, and he had worked on the Philadelphia experiment with his brother Duncan Cameron when both men were in their mid-20s. Okay. Okay. According to an August 30th, 2016 article on The Thrillist called, quote, Inside the Real Lifetime Travel Experiment That Inspired Stranger Things, the article says, quote, a few years later, L. Bielik presented his story at a mutual UFO network conference. The Philadelphia experiment was real, he said, and he was the proof, having lived out the World War II section of the movie. Bielik claimed that sometime in the 1940s, Nikola Tesla figured out how to make the USS Eldridge invisible and in the process opened up a time wormhole into the future that sucked in the ship. The Cameron brothers were on board the ship at the time, jumping off the vessel and landing at Montauk's Camp Hero on August 12, 1983. The military promptly sent them back through the wormhole with a mission, destroy the equipment on the Eldridge. According to Bielik, the brothers completed their mission, though that didn't stop the government from doing more experiments on building portals into the future. Hmm. So, yeah. Also from the That's a lot. (laughs) Also from the article... During a 1990 speech for the Mutual UFO Network, Bielik described in vague terms how he'd been de-aged, how his memory was wiped, and how he had been forced to live out the rest of his life as Al Bielik. What does de-aged mean? That he was made younger. Oh. Yeah. I'll take that. (laughs) I would too, believe me. (laughs) Uh, He explained how, in the early 1960s, as Edward Cameron... He had convinced his father to have another child so they could port Duncan Cameron's consciousness from 1983 into the sibling born in 1963. Bielik refers to this version of Duncan as a, quote, walk-in soul. He also suggested that a 1983 accident, which is as detailed as he gets, caused him to begin aging rapidly. So <laughs> this is going all sorts of, yeah, all sorts of cockeyes here. Wow, that it, okay. You know, according to him, 
him and his brother, he and his brother were on this ship when it teleported into the 80s. Okay. And they jumped off the ship and were at Montauk at okay. uh, Camp Hero. But then they sent them back to destroy the equipment that was on the ship. Wouldn't that effectively make all of that not happen? That's what they wanted. That's what they kind of wanted. Okay. You know, this... this <laughs> <laughs> like having a hard time with this. Yeah. It's too early and I've had a quarter <laughs> of a beer. Beer. <laughs> All right. So Belik said we live in a five-dimensional reality with time being the fourth and fifth dimensions. He said that every human is given a set of locks that lock them in a point of time from which they came, but that the experiment ruptured those time locks upon returning to Philadelphia. And I actually kind of like that because, I mean, there's theories that time is existing all at once. You know, like everything is happening at once, but we perceive time as time. Linear. Because we have these locks on us that keep us like that. So if, if, you know, maybe that's like one of the time travel paradoxes is if you run into a version of yourself that breaks those locks and then you are free to travel in time. I don't know. I don't know. This gets very timey-wimey. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. So that's what he says. Uh Spoiler, a lot of people don't believe him. <laughs> well, it's a bit out there. <laughs> so with Show this, me some proof. So with this time travel stuff, teleportation, and the stuff that happened with the Eldridge and the Philadelphia experiment, the military decided to build a place where they could experiment more with this stuff, and that's where Camp Hero in Montauk came about. And follow me here, who better to get the place going than Al Bielik and his brother, who had actually seen the place and visited it when they time traveled there on the Eldridge. You know, so he was there in the 80s and saw where everything was. So then when he went back in time, why not have him help, you know, build the place, help help put everything where he saw it, which also is more time travel weird stuff, you know? Yeah, so this, I should have warned you, this episode is pretty... A mind bender? A mind bender. So Camp Hero was created, and on the surface, it was your typical functional military base, but in underground levels beneath it, all sorts of craziness was supposedly going on. In order to perform experiments, it also worked with a nearby Brookhaven Institute that specialized in nuclear and high-energy physics, superconducting magnets, and matter physics. And I believe Brookhaven Institute is kind of what the lab was based on in Stranger Stranger Things. Things. Yeah, yep. One of the things that was said to have gone on in the underground levels... I'm already not going to like what you're going to (laughs) say. One of the things that was said to have gone on in the underground levels of Camp Hero is that homeless people were taken to be used in tests that were offshoots of the Philadelphia experiment where they were subjected to huge electromagnetic fields to see how it affected them physically and mentally, and most of them died from the experiments. (sighs) It's also said that bizarre genetic experiments were conducted on one of the lower levels of Camp Hero and that one of these experiments managed to escape from the camp where it made its way to the Pine Barrens of New Jersey and became known as the Jersey Devil. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that's so the Jersey Devil. Is, one of the theories of the Jersey Devil is that it was created at Montauk. Okay. So I've never heard that. Yeah, I don't know if it hitchhiked. I don't know, I don't know how it got <laughs> Ran there. Ran real but, fast. But, what, <laughs> but whatever. But one of the most prevalent stories about the Montauk experiments involves something called the Montauk Chair. This was said to be a chair that was specially fitted with devices to enhance and focus psychic powers. These devices were said to include those made by scientists at Camp Hero and alien devices recovered from crashed UFOs. Had there even been photos of this chair? I don't remember seeing photos of the actual chair, but I think their out for that was that it was a military base and you couldn't really take photos. That's a good question. I might actually have to go... 
Yeah, it just sounds really familiar. But they, you know, that's when, uh, what was the girl's name in Stranger Things 11? Yes. Because wasn't she in a chair? It was a number. Yeah, wasn't she in a chair? Yeah. When all this happened, that was supposedly based on the Montauk chair. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was uh, it was created both by scientists and alien devices recovered from crashed. Have UFOs. you seen Stranger Things? Yes, okay. just the first two seasons. Oh, but you can see that this is like pulling in. Yeah, this is totally. one of those things that's pulling in everything. You, mm-hmm. got, you know, you got time travel, you have UFOs, uh, mind control, mind control. You have everything kind of with this. In his book, The Montauk Project: Experiments in Time, Nichols says, "Quote." In the 1950s, ITT developed sensor technology that could literally display what a person was thinking. It was essentially a mind-reading machine. It operated on the principle of picking up the electromagnetic functions of human beings and translating those into an understandable form. It consisted of a chair in which a person would sit, coils which served as sensors were placed around the chair. There were also three receivers, six channels, and a Cray-1 supercomputer, which would display what was on a person's mind digitally on a screen. Hmm. It's still a mystery how this technology was developed. It's been suggested that the research was aided by the Syrians, an alien race who came from the star system Sirius. So aliens were helping us Are you serious? (laughs) I'm totally serious. sorry, that was a dad joke. (laughs) Where's your groan? Where's the groan sound? Oh, oh, oh. Um, There you go. Well, that was good. (laughs) That was good. So yeah, the Syrian aliens were helping us too. Sure. Uh, This theory has the aliens providing the basic design and humans working it out from that. Duncan Cameron, uh, Al Bielik's brother and the walk-in soul that was moved from the body from the 60s, whatever, to the 80s. Okay, yes. They uh, dumped the consciousness. Yes, yes, dumped the consciousness into the other body. Sure. Happened to have stronger than usual psychic abilities and was able to access a fixed time loop between the Montauk Project and the Philadelphia Experiment. I'm guessing that that's not the only weird stuff about this individual. (laughs) When he used the Montauk chair, he was able to manifest objects or use it for remote viewing. According to Preston Nichols' book, quote, The first experiment was called the seeing eye. With a lock of a person's hair or other appropriate objects in his hand, Duncan could concentrate on the person and be able to see as if he was seeing through their eyes, hearing through their ears, and feeling through their body. He could actually see through other people anywhere on the planet. So is remote viewing... Remote viewing is a thing. They they did... The military did try to use this. uh, That's going to be a... I'd like to do that this season, actually, because I'm kind of really intrigued by remote viewing. The but fact re- that our military was like, yeah, this is a yeah. thing. We yeah. can use this as yeah. not a weapon, but no, but to collect intelligence. That make sense to collect to, oh, to see yeah. what's going on at a base somewhere around the world is to have psychics yeah. hone in on it and focus on it. Totally. Wanting to experiment more with the chair and with other people's psychic abilities, subjects started to be taken to be used against their will. According to a January 2nd, 2020 article on allthatisinteresting.com called, quote, The Montauk Project, the alleged U.S. military program that inspired Stranger Things, the article says, quote, But more so than remote viewing or any of the other claims Nichols makes, the one about the abduction of young children, some no older than four years old, to use as subjects in the Montauk Project's various experiments is surely the most shocking. Nichols refers to these underage abductees as the Montauk Boys. Montauk Boys, you search online, you're going to find a ton of things. It's said that they were snatched off the street or even taken from their homes. According to Nichols, these children were so psychologically broken down by the Montauk Project that most of them would forget all about their time at Camp Hero for the rest of their lives. That's probably good. 
and the stories of the Montauk boys only became more intriguing when someone started coming forward to confirm them. Hmm. In 2017, a 50-year-old Michigan man named Stuart Swerdlow came forward saying that just like Preston Nichols and Al Bielik, he started to experience repressed or erased memories of being at the Montauk base, finally realizing that he was one of the Montauk boys. He said, quote, When the experiment started, they target expendable boys like orphans, runaways, or the children of drug addicts, the kinds of kids no one would really come looking for. The aim was to fracture your mind so they could program you. They would change the temperature from very hot to very cold, starve you, and then overfeed you. I remember being beaten with a wooden pole. And they loved to hold your head underwater until you nearly drowned. That was effective. It made a person likely to listen to and obey their quote-unquote rescuer. They also used LSD to put our brains into an altered state. Hmm. So this is the It'll stuff, do that. This is the stuff they did to the Montauk boys, all the boys that they kidnapped wow. and used in these experiments, according, I, you know, according I, to the story. Yeah. I mean, I was aware of like the experiments, but I didn't know that they were like torturing them, allegedly. Well, you know, with the mind control stuff, that's what you do is you basically destroy the mind so you can yeah, build whatever you, break you them want down. on the mind. Yeah. You know, we got to do a MK Ultra. Oh, totally. Uh, Jamie really wanted to come and do an MK Ultra yeah. episode with us, so maybe we'll wait till he's in town. That'd be awesome. But mind control stuff is fascinating and scary. Like it really it freaks is scary. Me out. Yeah. But this is exactly what they do in mind control: is destroy your your ego, your mind, and then build mm-hmm. whatever they want on top of it. I guess that's what they do with prisoners of war yep. to make you talk. Yep. yep. So the scientist Duncan Cameron and the unwilling Montauk boys fine tune the Montauk chair. To the point where they were able to use it for all sorts of otherworldly experiments, including ripping open a hole in space-time. A time tunnel was constructed. Think Stargate. And legends say that the tunnel was used to meet Jesus Christ, visit Mars, and to manipulate the outcomes of the Civil War and World War II. They met Jesus Christ? We'll get there's something. We'll get to something. Wow. We'll get to a little story in a bit. Okay. Extraterrestrials were said to have been encountered using the time tunnel, and alliances were created that allowed the aliens to be housed at and to use the Montauk base for research. So there were aliens and reptilians hanging out there, too. Sure. So Why not? it's a lot like the uh, Denver <laughs> airport, like the stories oh, of the Denver airport. It it's a, is. Yeah, it is a lot like that. It's said that they used the time tunnel to travel to the year 6037, only to find a giant city in ruins. The only thing they saw was an untouched statue of a golden horse with a clock in its stomach in the middle of the city square that had weird inscriptions on it. This reminds me of the airport, too. Yeah, that, that, that's the only thing that in, this, in the great year 6037, like, like we're going to last that long. Yeah, right. Uh, they went to a city that was just completely destroyed, and the only thing that was untouched was the statue of a golden horse with a clock in its stomach, and it had weird inscriptions on hmm. it. Sounds about right. Yep. (laughs) So the experiments continued until August of 1983. In his book, Nichols says, quote, We followed the orders, but nothing out of the ordinary occurred until August 12th. Then something very strange happened. All of a sudden, the equipment appeared to drop into sync with something else. We don't know what function the system was now tuned to, but at that point, the USS Eldridge, the ship used for the Philadelphia experiment, appeared through the time portal. We had locked up with the Eldridge. At this point, the Duncan from 1943 appeared and could be seen through the time portal along with his own brother in the current time. So, yeah, that's not, <laughs> that's not good. So you had Duncan in the, in the 40s on the ship with his brother who became Al Bielek, and you had the Duncan then in the 80s. So both, uh, both... Both Duncans? Yeah, both Duncans. We kept the Duncan of 1983 from seeing his past self so as to avoid a time paradox and resultant negative effects. 
The project had now reached apocalyptic proportions. Natural laws were being violated, and it seemed everyone involved felt uncomfortable. I feel like everyone was being violated. <laughs> I think so. There's so much violating going I think on. So. so this is, you know, again from Preston Nichols' book. Three okay. colleagues and myself had been privately voicing misgivings about the project over a period of months. We had talked about the pitfalls of dealing with time and how this might affect the karma of the planet. We hoped the project would truncate itself. Consequently, our little cabal created a contingency program that only Duncan could activate. It was designed to crash the entire project. So wait, they had misgivings about the effects it was having yeah, on drown, time, you could put kids but not the children. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. We finally decided we'd had enough of the whole experiment. The contingency program was activated by someone approaching Duncan while he was in the chair and simply whispering the words, the time is now. At this moment, Duncan let loose a monster from his subconscious. And the transmitter actually portrayed a hairy monster. It was big, hairy, hungry, and nasty. But was it, it Bigfoot? It might have been Bigfoot. But it didn't appear underground in the null point. It showed up somewhere on the base. It would eat and wreck anything it could find, and it smashed everything in sight. So he so actually created manifested. This, manifested this monster to destroy the base. Okay. Several different people saw it, but almost everyone described a different beast. This beast ended up being nicknamed Junior. So when you, when you talk about the Montauk experiments and you see Junior, okay. that's this creature that Duncan created from his subconscious. Now we have a cryptid running around. Yeah. So there's a little bit well, of Well, aside from the Jersey Devil. This is like a is, little smorgasbord. It of, is a smorgasbord. My super, strangeness. <laughs> my supervisor had ordered us to shut off the generators in order to stop whatever type of phenomenon was occurring. This didn't work, so it was decided that the thing had to be stopped. It was decided that the transmitter had to be shut down. There were two efforts made in this direction. One was to send somebody back and turn off the transmitters on the Eldridge. They would be smashed if that was what was necessary to shut them down. So the Cameron brothers were sent back to destroy the transmitters on the Eldridge, which they did, and Preston Nichols managed to permanently shut off power to the Montauk chair. The beast disappeared, but the base had been completely destroyed by it. Stuart Swerdlow, supposedly one of the Montauk boys, says, quote, I wasn't there when the chair was shut off, but I felt it like I had suddenly been unplugged from electricity. Hmm. In his book, Nichols says, quote, after the bizarre occurrences of August 12, 1983, the Montauk base virtually emptied. The power was restored, but lights were left on with everything in disarray. Most of the personnel were eventually rounded up, debriefed, and brainwashed accordingly. <laughs> Over the years, several more Montauk boys have turned up with their accounts of being at the base, including Larry James, Michael Ash, and others. A girl named Maya has an online blog called Montauk Girl, where she discusses her story of being one of the female members of the group. Hmm. So That's interesting, because that's the first time I've heard of female. In his book, Preston Nichols says that they did not have females in the Montauk boys, So, but hmm. then she says that they did. I only went down the rabbit hole of her blog a little bit and looked at stuff, but she says she was a Montauk girl. Hmm. But there's, like I said, there's a Larry James, Michael Ash, search for it. You're going to have people coming. A lot of people say, you know, with the stuff my dad was into, maybe I'm a Montauk boy for all right? I know. You know, it's, I never it, know. If, if you were a Montauk boy, you would be around 50. And at, you're about <laughs> 50, to turn maybe 50. Maybe I was at Montauk. Hmm. Maybe I was in the chair. I don't know. But, uh, uh, people that are younger that like, I think Maya was younger, but people that are younger that say they're a Montauk boy or girl say that, the base shut down temporarily, but then started up again shortly after, and they were still rounding up kids to use in these experiments. American filmmaker Chris Garitano, who grew up in the area, had been obsessed with the theory since he was a child. 
He teamed up with a former CIA operative, Barry Eisler, and award-winning journalist Steve Volk. The trio set out to explore the mythologies, conspiracies, and accusations that surround Camp Hero in a documentary called The Dark Files. We watched I, that. Yeah, I remember I, watching yes, that. Yes. Wa- is it on like Netflix? I don't know if Amazon it's on Netflix, or something? But it was on TV. We watched it when it was on like the Discovery Channel or something like that. Like recently? Yeah. Last year? Like yeah. Last year. And they didn't really, f- they found like traces of weird stuff. I just remember them being outside of it and there was like a fence yeah, and, and like the, 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 the tower antenna, was, the yeah. yeah. But they didn't really find a whole lot. They found some weird didn't stuff. Didn't they find a chair? I think they found a chair. Maybe that's what I'm I thinking think they found of. they a chair. Okay. Uh, but they found there's a lot of like manholes, weird manholes. Go, yeah, going underground and yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but th- I remember you and I watched that because we talked about it. Yes. So that's basically what I got. Wow. There's two theories, of course. Number one, <laughs> it happened. Number two, it, <laughs> it didn't, didn't happen. happen. As far as it happened, I don't know. There's not maybe to some degree. Well, let's start with it didn't happen first. Okay. There is a lot online debunking Al Bielik. Okay. A lot. Uh, there's a website called BielikDebunked.com, which just has in big letters on it, he never participated in a Philadelphia experiment. He never witnessed a Philadelphia experiment. He was nowhere near the Philadelphia test when it occurred. He changed the nature of his story many times over the years with additions, embellishments, deletions, and wholesale fabrication of events. And he has stated historical events that can be completely verified to be totally false. So nobody's arguing that the Philadelphia experiment happened most people are just arguing these people that are claiming okay. uh, Preston Nichols, Al Bielik, yeah. Stuart Swerdlow, who okay. I guess was jailed for embezzling a ton of money, but then he says he was brainwashed and forced to do it. Oh, sure. You know, so uh, there's just a lot stating that this yeah. didn't happen. Right. There's also super crazy stories. I mean, like, well, like you we're talking, named like, several of yeah, them. Yeah, and there's like one right here. This is like Scientology level crazy stories. Yeah. Stuff. This is from a really great website, and it is a really great website, called Andrew H.'s The Philadelphia Experiment from A to Z. The website says, quote, Stan Campbell was sent on a Montauk time travel mission. His mission, as he remembers it, was to go find Jesus and do two things. First, he's supposed to remove a sample of blood, and then he's supposed to kill him. He finds Christ. Christ even volunteers to give him a sample of his blood. And then operating on orders from Montauk, Stan reports emptying a revolver into Jesus Christ. No, if that doesn't buy you some time in hell, I guess nothing will. <laughs> After Stan returned to Montauk, he refused to give up the sample of Christ's blood. The Montauk technician sent him to Mars, where he personally handed the blood to Duncan Cameron, and Duncan Cameron later had the blood injected into him. How did he get the sample? Christ gave it to him. It was just like here? Yeah. And then he shot him. Have some blood? And then, oh. And then he went back, and uh, they let him go to Mars, where he gave the vial of blood to Duncan Cameron, and Duncan injected Christ's blood into himself. Well, this sounds like it really this, happened. <laughs> yeah. So I am buying like, this story. Yeah. So that's like, wow. So <laughs> Okay. That's the, you know, I guess if you're going to tell a story, go all in. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they're doing. Some people say, it starts off, like, I could kind of see this, but then when you get into some guy gunning down Jesus <laughs> and then injecting Preston Nichols, injecting Jesus' blood into himself... <sighs> Yeah, Krista's just, just, why? Krista just anytime Krista I just puts threw her, my head anytime back. Krista oh. throws her head back like that, she's not buying it. I can't take it yep. anymore. <laughs> okay. And then there's some sketchy stuff. Uh, this next part, you might want to cup your hands over your little strangling ears for maybe 20, 30 seconds. It's a little sketchy. But author Oris Isold, I think, I still can't Sounds super it. confident. <laughs> who wrote a book called Spoken War, in the book states, quote, 
In 2014, at the Multiple Realities Convention in New York, I saw Duncan Cameron hitting on a teenager, and Preston Nichols was speaking about inviting people to his house to deprogram them with consensual masturbation. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew it was so handy? Oh, (laughs) wow. 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 Hold on. Anyway. (laughs) I didn't mean the pun. It just came out. (laughs) Anyway. The author goes on to say, Preston and Cameron were doing psych sexual procedures on all the kids. Preston has no conscience whatsoever and said he would do it all over again. It will be satisfying for me when they both kick the bucket. Wow. And there was one, I didn't put it in here because it got kind of, but there was one website I go to that talked about sexual things they would do with the Montauk kids Mm. as part of their programming. And yeah. As if the other torture wasn't wasn't enough. enough. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, Duncan Cameron ever ask you to come over for a party? Maybe. The answer is no. Maybe send that RSVP. Don't accept a drink <laughs> yeah. from him either. Yeah. No. So that's pretty sketchy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Continuing. Uh, and just to end this with a quote from the November 25th, 2019 article on thoughtcatalog.com called, quote, Montauk Conspiracy, a kooky theory about time travel, aliens, and mind control. The article states, quote, People who visited the site say it's the strangest state park they've ever seen and that something just doesn't feel right about the whole area. I believe them. Something's very strange at that abandoned radar station out there on Long Island. Long Island. Yeah, so it's a state park now. And a lot of people go there, I guess. Place to bring uh, people, your kid, Some people your dog. say that the military base supposedly isn't active, but they're still doing things underground. You know, so what do you think? What do you think about this whole... <laughs> this whole sordid mess it just feels so far-fetched it feels so bad sci-fi channel yeah it really does like most of it would be completely impossible yeah honestly but the the philadelphia experiment stuff i buy i know the military works on cloaking yeah and i i'm sure that they did this with electromagnetic yeah i buy that and i'm sure they tried this to try to decloak the ship and I really think they did that. But I think the rest of it has just been blown out of proportion. Sure. I don't think it teleported. I don't think anybody turned inside out or was fused into the hull right. of God, the I ship. I hope not. I hope not, too. But that part, I kind of, I buy a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's very possible that if they did hook up all these huge electromagnetic generators, it probably did have really bad effects on the people that were on that ship. Mm-hmm. You know, so that it, it could have just grown out of that. So I buy that. I totally buy that part. And I'm not saying I don't believe that, you know, a group of people stole a bunch of kids and oh, homeless yeah, people yeah, exactly. and performed experiments exactly. on this them. This is kind of like, this is, like I said, this is a lot like the uh, Denver airport where I think things do happen. I think they do tests. You know, they, we know that they did MK Ultra. We know mm-hmm. that they tested, that they experimented with mind control. We know they experimented with remote viewing. So this stuff happens. Yes. And this Camp Hero might have been a place where they did that. But then legends just grew out of the stories. Yes. I would like to think that they weren't kidnapping homeless people and kids. But you find a lot of people who claim, who say that they were part of the original Montauk boys. Yeah, there are a lot of people who feel like homeless people are disposable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And these kids... Which is these horrifying. Kids, you know, that's, that's, there's, I've been reading stuff about that. There's a lot more kids that mysteriously go disappearing than people realize. Yeah. You know, and that kind of ties in with the Finders cult, and that somebody wants us to do an episode on the Finders. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, and uh, sounds like something I would like, though. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Chris's eyes all, she, she Ooh, got all excited. Missing at that. persons, you know, I like that. <laughs> mm. So I, I just 
don't want to think that they steal kids and kill kids testing them with these things. But I do think that they, that maybe Camp Hero was where they did some of this remote viewing stuff. And maybe they did some really, you know, the government has done some really sketchy sure experiments has. on people without yep. them knowing about mm-hmm. it. So I think I buy into that. Yeah, well, I do too. But, but I, I don't believe someone traveled back in time and shot Jesus Christ and then stole his blood and put it in somebody. <laughs> like that stuff is just. That's the only part I do buy. <laughs> That's the only part of this whole story I buy. can get behind that story. So that is Montauk experiment. I, so I think there's truth in the core of these yes. stories. Yes. But I like, yeah, like it, yeah. it just grew into something bigger than. But what I don't, what I have a hard time wrapping my mind around is why do these people come forward and say, oh yeah, I was a Montauk boy and then weave their story are they nuts or are they wanting attention? Because these people end up going on the, the circuit tour of, of conventions, like this altered reality mm-hmm. convention. Man, there's a convention for everything. There is. Um, but I, I, I'd like to think you're not getting a ton of money to get paid for these conventions. I don't know. Because but, it's been exposed that these people are lying. Some of their stuff is very, you know, they always have workarounds for something that doesn't work out. You know what I'm saying? Like this, sure. well, this didn't happen. Well, yeah, that's because we changed it when we went back to the Eldridge, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So there's always, but if you, if you go on YouTube and I did this, if you go on YouTube and watch videos of Al Bielik talking, he sounds like he's not nuts. He looks like an older, older guy. He looks respectable. He doesn't look like a kook. That would make up this story. Mm-hmm. But then neither do a lot of crazy people look like kooks. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I just don't know what would motivate somebody to make make it up. Yeah. And to put themselves out there for that kind of criticism. Because maybe and... they want to feel important. So being a Montauk boy or girl would make you feel important. Maybe. I mean, a lot of people think abductees, alien abductees are yeah. making it all up yeah. too. And So... I don't know. I hate to just jump to the conclusion that nothing bad happened to these people. Oh. Maybe something bad did happen to yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, I could I see know. the government testing on people totally. and then erasing their memories of it. I could totally. totally see it. But I just don't see it to this extent. No. And the stuff about like going back, shooting Christ, about the ship jumping forward right. in time and then them going back in time to or the guy the manifesting generators. Bigfoot. Or the guy manifesting. There's a picture of that. Oh, really? Oh, I'll show you. I'll, I'll see if I can dig it up. Is here. it like the computer generated? No, this is the picture of him at the base. Oh, okay. Junior? At... Oh, the monster? Yeah, this is the monster at Montauk. Like a drawing? No, like a photograph. I can't wait to see this. There it is. Is it like a guy in a ghillie suit? <laughs> That's the only oh. known. That's the only known photo of Junior at uh, Montauk. It looks like Bigfoot. It looks like a hazy picture of Bigfoot outside a well, military base. Well, of course, base. it's a hazy picture of Bigfoot. Yeah, because so, there are no in-focus photos no. of Bigfoot. <laughs> no. uh, so yeah, huh. at the end of the day, like you said, I think there is a core. There's of a truth. truth. Yeah, there's a to truth this, to the root I of the think story. Ninety-five percent of it is bunk. Yeah, I, yeah. I really do. Yeah. And then when you get into stories about the guy shooting Jesus and whatnot. I think that's that's where I was just like, oh boy, because it started. I'm, I started with I could kind of see some of this mm-hmm. stuff, but as I kept going, it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is just a bad sci-fi movie, right? So mm-hmm. there you go. There is the Montauk Project, and by extension, the Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, we may do a deep dive on the Philadelphia Experiment at some time, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot here. Does so, your head hurt now? <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? There's time travel, cryptids, aliens, mind control, a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. So let us know what you guys think. 
so uh, I keep blanking on this girl's name. Wanted us to do a playlist. Wanted us to come up with I'll songs. never find it on the uh, Facebook page. Yeah, either. wanted us to do a, you know, pick songs that we really like. And she's putting together a playlist of songs that we like. So it'll be like hanging out like on a drive with Krista and I in the country. Yeah, I like so, that. What is your song for today? So have you ever heard of the band Wolfpack? No. Okay, I didn't I hadn't either until several months ago. So this is how I would describe this is the nerdiest bunch of dudes you'll ever see playing some of the sweetest funk you'll ever hear. So Jim and I like to do on Saturday night typically go down what we call the music rabbit hole on YouTube. Yeah. We'll, we'll start yep. kind of go to our favorites yep. and then the suggested videos. I've been of, doing the same thing and I found a lot of good music lately. Me too. And this is one of them. So we stumbled upon this Wolfpack live at Madison Square Gardens and we, we turned it on and we're like, what is this? Because it's just, Crazy. you have to see it to believe it. But these guys are insanely talented. This is that band that, you know, this guy's playing the drums, this guy's on the piano, this guy's on the saxophone, guitar, whatever. And then the next song, a bunch of people switched instruments and they're equally killing it on whatever instrument oh, they're playing. That's actually cool. They're just so talented. We'll stay in the group because I want to check that out. I will. Okay. So what I have to figure out how to do, because this Madison Square Garden is like the best thing you can find for them, but they have a channel and they're constantly releasing stuff that is just amazing. I mean, they're just insanely talented. And so the song that I want to recommend is called Corey Wong. And Corey Wong is actually the guitarist. He always plays the guitar. He's not somebody who switches instruments like the guitar is this thing. But it, it's an instrumental. It's fast. It's funk. It's like it's nice. I grin the whole time I'm listening nice. to it. So if I can figure out how to take just that snippet from YouTube and post it, it okay. I think people have mentioned that, that you, you can, can do a time someone's gonna have to walk me (laughs) i don't know how to do it i'm not smart enough to figure that out i don't even know how to post a story on instagram um so Corey wong by wolfpack and the album is available the madison square garden concert is available on amazon music so if you have amazon music check it out it's it's just awesome it It will make you smile mine is if you were one of my real life friends that listen to the podcast and i have ever made you a cd you know, burns you a CD, chances are this song is on there because I love this song. This is one of my all-time favorite songs. It is by a singer named Obadiah Parker, and it is an acoustic version of Outkast's Hey Ya. Oh, interesting. And it's so good, and it's 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 slow, and it's pretty. Okay. So I've listened to, I listened to it so much that when I listen to the original version, now the original version doesn't sound right because I absolutely oh. love this version of Hey Ya. Uh, I will put it in the strangers. I'll put I'll okay. post it in there. Yeah. But my my song is Obadiah Parker's Parka. Obadiah Parker's Hey Ya. All right. So good. Sweet. I'm a big Outcast fan, actually. I have a lot of their Outcasts early CDs. So now we got time for a question? We do. And then a pickle joke. First question in a long time. I know. Here we go. Hey Kurt. Hey Krista. Hi. Anonymous. Hi. Love the podcast. Love when you answer questions. My favorite are the deep questions. So I am going to ask you a deep question. Oh boy. What is one moment from your life that you constantly carry with you? Hmm. Oh. Like in a good way or a bad way? I don't know. I guess that's you can it, that's Of course I think says. of like what was like the most horrible moment in my that's life. That's literally you know? all it says. Hmm. What was one moment in your life that you constantly carry with you? Dang. I have one, but it's kind of personal. 
and I don't mind sharing it, but it's long. So if you have you one, start, no, I'm you gonna... start, you do yours because they can shut it off before mine. Cause mine is going to be a little long. I can't even think of anything right now. Okay. <clears throat> okay. I think I have one. Um, so yeah, mine's, we've been, we've been sitting here with mine's the, pretty heavy and personal too, but it has a happy outcome. So mine is sappy, but also happy. Okay. Sappy, okay. sappy, but happy, sappy but happy. Sweet. And it involves a girl. Okay. Of course it does. <laughs> um, mine involves a boy, my main boy, my husband. Um, so before Jim and I were married, we've been together 23 years, over 23 years, which Damn. just seems insane, right? It does seem insane. We were 20 when I met. And we had been together probably 10 years at this point. We had recently bought our first house together. And all of a sudden, just out of the blue one day, he had a seizure. It was the big kind, the grand mal seizure, fell over, convulsing, unconscious, like out of nowhere, a person who's never had a medical problem in his life. And long story short, it turned out that he had what was called an arterial venous malformation or also known as an AVM in his brain. It's extremely rare. And a lot of times people don't survive it because they end up having like a, basically a stroke. Um, so it was a very terrifying, scary point in our lives. Long, again, long story short, he had several um, procedures in his brain and it took over three years to get through all of this. We got married somewhere in the middle of that. Actually in our wedding photos, he has a bald spot on his head where they had done what's called a gamma knife I treatment. Don't know if I remember that. Yeah. It's very pro- prominent right in the front of his shaved head. Um, because he, they had to, he lost his hair there because it was yeah. like a radiation treatment or whatever. And he's fine now. He's completely, all of the, the veins have been either, um, filled with like glue or metal coils. It sounds crazy that he has this stuff in his brain, but he's never had another seizure. And I, I carry that with me because I feel like now I'm always prepared. Yeah. I'm always going to be prepared for something like that because I didn't feel prepared in that moment. Although my, I reacted like, I couldn't believe it. Like in that moment, I was like freaking out. And then I remember being I like, I don't even, I can't even imagine what I would be. It like. was crazy because my first thought was, okay, where's my phone? Like I immediately, I was like, all right, calm down and call 911. And somehow I managed to do that. I remember being so jumbled by the time the ambulance gate came and they, the EMT asked for my phone number and I gave him the first three digits of my number and the last four digits of Jim's. Which is <laughs> because understandable because you were so like all over the place. But I feel like I'm just, I don't like, I think that's partly why I don't really like to drink anymore because I think if something ever happens, you have to be on call. You have to be, I think he'll be fine. It's more about my parents. Like if I get a phone call that, you know, my parents are in their seventies and I always think they're an hour and a half away. If something were to happen, I would need to be able to drive. And so I think that's, it's, I don't drink as much now. I, I feel like I'm always just I'm always prepared yeah, which <laughs> like is, it's, it's, I'm I'm if I'm around and you have a medical emergency I just yeah. I'm not gonna be able to save your life or anything but I will be able to react in a way that just because I I went through that and I don't know it makes me sad that you have to be prepared for that but it's also nice that you are and, yeah. and are aware of that I have more confidence of how to get through a situation yes. like yeah. that because that felt like a death sentence in yes. that moment and yep. I realize now that a lot of things aren't as terrible as you think they're gonna be yeah. And also, holy moly, I'm a lot stronger than See, I thought I was. Yeah, story. that's me. Glass half full. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, that's so that's what I carry with me, and I think it made me stronger. And that's a good one. Definitely made our relationship stronger. I mean, we got married less than a year later. Yeah. So that's a good one. Thanks. Wow. Okay. Mine? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mine's not that dramatic, but <laughs> wow, that's uh, my story goes back to like 1992. I want to say I was I just started college at the university center in Manitowoc. And my very first English class there, I sat on the side of the room, like by the windows, kind of towards the back. And on the other side of the room, there was this girl that I was just smitten with this girl. And anybody that knows me knows I get crushes on everybody. But when I'm smitten, that's like a little more serious. (laughs) So I used to watch her walk in every day. And I was just like, you know, Bambi. Admire her from afar. Admire her from afar. Yeah. And, uh... Like, like a week or so, I would just see her. And I remember thinking that I would give anything just to talk to that girl. I would kill just to talk to her. You know, and then uh, she sat with these douchey frat boy type guys on the other side, the exact other side of the room. And then like two weeks in the class, I think one of the guys behind her was putting pieces of crumpled up pieces of paper in her sweatshirt hood. And she was getting mad. So one day she picked up all of her books and she came over and sat in the only empty chair, which was right behind me. So she sat behind me and I was like, sorry, they were giving you a hard time. And she's like, I hate them. <laughs> you know. So we kind of talked and then it got to the point where, uh, you know, she'd come in and we'd talk about whatever we had just read. You know, it was an introductory literature course. We talked about whatever we had just read. And then it was like, well, we should just get together in the library before class and talk the stuff over. And she's like, that would be perfect. So then we used to meet in the library and got to be friends. And there were a group of people, you know, somebody from the class would see her and I there, so they'd come and sit down. And somebody else from the class. So we ended up having a big group of people. Oh, that's really cool. Another little aside story, which I feel really guilty about now, but there's this one guy that was a dork that used to come and sit with us from class. He would never do the reading, but he would ask us what it was about so he could write a one-page thing about what the paper, (laughs) what what we had to read was about. And there was one day we talked before he came over, all of us gave him something from like a different book. Somebody gave him something from Stephen King's It. Why would you feel guilty about that? He was using you guys. I I know, but I just do. But somebody, you know, there was a clown that lived in a sewer and gave out balloons. So we had like all these different works of fiction. And then he got like in big trouble for that. Oh, that's hilarious. He had uh, it coming. Yeah. So we we had our little group, you know. And uh, after the class was over, like her and I, we'd see each other in the hallway and stuff. And we did the thing where you'd pass notes to each other. Like she'd write me a note and hand it to me in the hallway. And if she ever saw me, her name was Heidi, by the way. And if Heidi ever saw me in the cafeteria doing homework, she would get something to eat and come over and sit with me and we would talk. So we were like friends, but not like yeah, super best friends. Sure. But um, Like campus friends. Campus friends. But like writing notes and stuff was, was really cool. And, you know, then we kind of stopped seeing each other for a little while. And at the time, I worked at the grocery store, and my friend Wendy, Shane, my friend Shane that listened to the podcast will remember this. Wendy was one of the cashiers, and she was on a tavern softball league. I don't know if they have that everywhere in the country, but here our bars have softball teams. Also volleyball teams. And volleyball teams. (laughs) But Wendy was on a softball team, and it was her, we used to go to her game every week. And it was the final game of the season, so it was Wendy's team playing the other team for the championship. And we got there to watch. It must have been like 8 o'clock at night. We're watching, and all of a sudden I hear somebody yelling, Kurt. 
and I looked in the outfield and Heidi was on the other team. No way. And she was waving to me and I was waving to her. And then, uh, you know, we, they played the game. I don't remember who won or lost or whatever. And the game was over. So I got up off the bleachers to walk to my car and all of a sudden I heard Kurt. So I, you know, it was Heidi. She came running from the outfield and she came over by me and she said, uh, next week I leave for, I think she was going to Whitewater or okay. Eau Claire, somewhere in Wisconsin. She's like, I leave and I knew her mom. Her mom would come in the grocery store where I worked and I would always talk to her mom. So she said when she got her address, she was going to give it to her mom to give to me in the grocery store. And I'm like, that would be awesome. And then she hugged me. So I'm going to get, I'm going to teary. But she uh, all of a sudden just reached out and hugged me. And I could show you, I could go to that park and show you exactly where I was standing. I don't remember because I'm tall and she was shorter. I remember her hugging me and I can see the, the, the outfield lights and I could see the moths flying around the lights. And I remember when she was hugging me, I remember thinking, God, like a year ago, I would have killed just to talk to this girl. Right. Ugh, getting all... Mm, okay. He's getting all the clumps. I am. Okay. Which is making me get a little <laughs> verklempt. <laughs> so I, I, I remember exactly where I was and I was thinking a year ago or whatever, I would have killed just to talk to this girl and now I'm sitting here and she's got her arms around me. Yeah. And I carry that moment with me because it, you know, like everybody has things that they live on and one of my big ones is hope. Ah. And, you know, it's like I need to remember that moment. I need to remember that I don't know what's going to happen a year from now. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I like yeah. that. You know, like I, if somebody would have told me that this girl would be hugging me one day in the near future, I never would have believed it. You know, so I carry that with me to remind me that I don't know what's coming. Yeah. You know, so that's my story. It kind of makes me think of this podcast, actually, because yeah, I remember I, when I, I just I, listened to podcasts. Yeah, if anybody ever told me that I, you and I were going to be doing a podcast... Yeah. I would not have believed it. Right? I really want to have. Or that we have this amazing family or that people on other podcasts are recommending us. Because <laughs> we've been getting some I new know. strangers that say, oh, I heard about you on this podcast and it's a podcast I've heard of. And I'm like, are are they listening to? I'm just, yeah. bl- you know, I'm blown away. Yeah. I never imagined. Yeah. And, you know, this. it's. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm just down all the time now is because I feel I don't have that hope mm. like I used to. So that's why that moment is important to me. Yeah, I, hold on I to carry that. that with me because it just reminds me I don't know what's coming. Something really good might be coming down the road. Yeah. You know, so I need to to focus on that. So that's my Heidi story. She uh-huh. went off to college and we wrote a couple times, but yeah. then it kind of fell apart. That so, happens. You know, yeah. it's not as much about her as it is about what that moment kind of symbolizes that, yeah. you know, I don't know what's coming. Right. So that's oh, my I love that story. story. I like it. So if you listen to that whole thing, thank you for putting up with it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long. Uh, I'm annoyed that I got a little teary, but no. I don't know if I've ever told anybody that story. That's like a super personal story, but... Well, now you just told everyone. <laughs> I just told everyone. <laughs> I think that's what's great about our podcast, though, is that we're not afraid to be our, real. Yeah. And yeah. not afraid to get a little emotional yeah. or, you know, laugh at me about talk that. about gaining weight or yeah. like whatever. Yep. We're just genuine and we're not trying to put on some kind of front. So that was, we both had pretty good answers yeah. for that. Pretty, that was a pretty heavy story. That, that was a pretty heavy question. Yeah. So thank you so much for the question. Yeah. And I think that's it. Oh, we got a pickle, a pickle joke and deets. Pickle joke and deets. Do I do deets first or the pickle joke first? Let's, I don't remember. Do the pickle. Yeah. You always do the deets last. Okay. Um... I mean, I kind of have to read them even if they're bad, right? <laughs> yes. What do you call a dill pickle that keeps changing color? A chameleon? A fickle pickle. <laughs> that is pretty bad. 
Do they change colors? Chameleons? See? No, pickles. No. See, that's a bad Not joke. Not they're bad. Should I do another one? Speaking of pickles, it's a little time for a pickle drink. Yeah, I'm I'm good. To what does a gherkin owe his good fortune? What? The pickle finger of fate. I don't even get it. It's supposed to be fickle finger of oh, fate. Oh, fickle finger of fate. Fate. Wow, I can't talk. Okay. I Is think that enough that, that's jokes? enough pickle jokes. Okay. <laughs> Our deets, you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the S. Krista does an excellent job on Instagram at the Strange Sessions. You can send postcards and snail mail to the Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. Or you can call our hotline at 920-443-9602. So I did remember what I, I, it kept coming up in my mind like, oh, don't forget to talk about that. Destination Fear. Oh. <laughs> so I mentioned this on the Strangers page on Facebook and also on Instagram that this is a show that I, it's the only paranormal show I watch anymore. I mean, I don't really consider Josh Gates paranormal anymore. His is more about adventures and like yeah, looking for lost treasure or whatever. Not there's so, anything wrong with that. No, not at all. So this is the only um, paranormal show I watch, but it's basically just a small group of people. Two of them are siblings. The other two are good friends. They go to like scary haunted locations throughout the country and it's they they do investigating they do EVP sessions they use equipment stuff like that but it's not they're not doing provoking they're not it, it, I just really like the format of it and yeah. to me it seems genuine like I've I'd never seen anything where I thought oh, did that actually happen like I think it's good my husband even likes watching it there's I mean a lot of freaky stuff happens yeah. well the last episode which they were calling like they saved the worst for last took place at the Sheboygan County Asylum. And, and I know the, I'm... Is that's the place that I drive to when I'm on my way here? Yeah, you drive past it. Oh, okay. I took a video actually yeah, on my way up, past. Corey and I couldn't figure out what that building was. So he looked it up and he said, that's the asylum. Yeah. So they went there. We pass it every time we drive here. It's maybe just five miles from my house. So I took a little video driving by uh, on the way here. So I'll post, post that just to show that we do drive by it the every cows time. Outside? There cows yep, outside? there were cows. Okay. <laughs> there were cows I don't outside. think those are in the video because they're actually okay. just to the west I saw um, them when I was driving here too. Yeah. And I know that the guy who owns it actually lives there on site. Uh, so yeah, it was a really good episode though. I thought um, they had some good EVPs. They, you could hear footsteps when people were completely alone and footsteps always freak me out. Um, but a lot of cool stuff happened and Sweet. it was just so cool to see them in yeah. the area. Yep. They talked about, they mentioned the Lake Michigan Triangle. They cool. they talked about Sheboygan in general and, and how it's supposed, Wisconsin is like a hub of paranormal activity, like UFO sightings and things like that. So awesome. that was pretty cool. I got to watch that somewhere. I got rid of cable, so I couldn't watch it. So I'll, yeah. I'll catch it somewhere. I saw there were links to YouTube, but then it was restricted because yeah. maybe you have to like the pay, you probably paid pay version it, yeah. of something. I'll find so. it somewhere. I'm yeah. crafty. It was good. Yeah. He's crafty. But I think that is it for <laughs> I think tonight. so. We're forgetting a whole bunch uh, of stuff probably. Just a huge but... thank you to Danielle for the beer. Yes. Which is really good, which yeah. I really like. It made me a little sleepy now. <laughs> it made me a little tipsy. There was at one point, I think we had the recording off at the time, but I said I'm kind of a little tipsy. Uh-huh. So thank you for the beer. Brittany, thank you for the keychains. Yes. And Shana, thank you for the Bigfoot Jack Link. <laughs> and the stickers the, the really stickers. cool stickers like, I, I don't want to open that it's kind of cool it yeah well we can save the box yeah i just love that it has hair on it yeah it's <laughs> so, awesome i think that is it for us for today yeah i think so
We'll an hour and 28 I'll be texting minutes. you later like, oh, crap, we forgot to talk about this. <laughs> As we do. So I think we can actually pull this off now that we see each other. Yes, we're looking right at each yeah, other. I think, I think we should be good now. We should be. Uh, we're going to go back to our two-week schedule, so expect another episode in two weeks. It'll probably be a My Favorite Mini Mystery. And I believe that is it. So from Krista and I, back in the old school media studio, until next time... Stay strange. Nailed it. This has been an old school media production, executive produced by Kirk Knechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.